Good morning. <clears throat> Thanks. Merry, uh, Merry Christmas Eve. I'm sure it feels like it when you guys walked in today. Um, how many of you guys are excited that we don't have to deal with snow during the holidays? Anybody? Okay. How many of you guys are incredibly bummed that there's no snow right now? Of course you are. Of course you are. I don't know where I stand on it yet. As, as, as the kid heart inside of me, I want snow, but as a, as a grown man, uh, I'm ready to just move past the winter season and be right into uh, summer, and it's feeling like that outside. Uh, Mark, you should dodge the bullet last week. Come on up, buddy. <laughs> Marcus was baptized last week. Didn't, it didn't mess up his hair at all, though, as you can tell. Looks great. Looks great. Marcus, uh, he studied the Bible. Oh, you're good. You can go down now. Um, he studied the Bible with Alameda and Deontay, his brother. Um, it's a great to see uh, a brother. Um, you know, it's cool, it's cool to surrender your life to Christ and, and to be able to be a part of that with somebody else. Uh, but what's even cooler is to, is to be able to be a part of that with your family. And what's been really cool here at the Crossing Church is I've seen time and time again where family members have been called up from somebody else in the congregation that uh, they were able to study with and, and and to get to know God through their family. And it's just an incredible feeling to have somebody that you grew up with, somebody that's your own blood, um, to surrender their life with Christ and, and walk that walk with you. And, you know, watching them sit side by side uh, is just, it's, it's so cool to see that. And it's cool because Deontay and Alameda studied with him, and Alameda had that same impact with his family. He, he was able to see his brothers and sisters side by side with him as he walked through that same process. And it's just a cool thing to see. Um, and how incredibly cool that hair looks, man. You look like you're getting ready for a Head & Shoulders commercial. Looking good. <laughs> Troy Paul Malu back in the day before he, uh, got, before he got big, you know what I'm saying? Um, but I want to I encourage you, I, I want to I thank you guys all for coming today. You know, Christmas Eve is one of those days of the year that sometimes we tend to take off early, you know, and, and we're already ready for Christmas Day, and, and a lot of times we want to just kind of get ready for our routine where we have family members or we're out of town, um, or we're just kind of getting ready for the next big day. Uh, but to, to take a day out and, and be at church um, is an incredible blessing uh, to, hear, to us here at the Crossings. But we, we value uh, our time here together, no matter if it's a holiday or not, um, because we believe that what you see in Scripture, what you see uh, in, in relationships is not bound to specific national holidays here in America. Um, and I think a lot of times people tend to, to, to go to church actually on those big days, right? The biggest Sundays of the year are Easter Sunday, right? And, and whatever, whatever Christmas service there usually is that, that follows around that. And, and a lot of times you won't necessarily see a lot of people in church outside of those two days. And if you're one of those people that you're like, yeah, I kind of come for the big days, you know, well, I'm glad that you're here too, because I think that maybe you might hear something today that might challenge that thought process to say, you know, maybe there's something more valuable. Maybe there's something that I can get from the holidays, um, from Jesus that isn't just meant to be for the holidays. Because we've been in a sermon series, and if you guys want to follow along with us in your bulletins, there's a little piece of paper that has some notes on it. If you guys would like to follow along and, and write out the notes as we throw them up on the screen. Uh, we've been in <clears throat> this, this sermon series called Christmas Road Trip. And <clears throat> the whole idea behind the sermon series was just to, to realize that the that the, that the story of Jesus' birth, this, this, the, the nativity scene itself, uh, was kind of a road trip, and it, and it put a lot of people on the road to, to see this thing happening. And, and during the holidays, we tend to be on the roads a lot, too. We're kind of journeying around. But the reality is, is in our lives, we're all on a journey. 
And this idea that Christmas has this, this journey about itself, the, the message of the cross, the message of, of Jesus being born, um, we can learn something from that to be able to look at our lives and say, you know what, uh, this journey that, that, that happened in the first century when Jesus was born, I am somewhat on my own journey. I'm somewhat on my own road trip in my life. And there might be a message around that journey, the Christmas journey, that can really impact my life and not just leave me feeling, you know, maybe warm and fuzzy for the holidays, but, but leave me in a place that for the rest of my life, um, I can feel something that I, I was able to experience during this time. And that's kind of what we're getting at today, is this idea of being on the road for joy. You know, and I think around the holiday times, the biggest thing that we try to find is happiness, right? And I think at, at the core of, of most people's lives and at most people's hearts, they, they want happiness. They want that, you know, if you, if you are a child and it's Christmas time, you, you are wanting to find happiness in what you're opening, right? You, you want to be incredibly happy on what you open on Christmas Day. If you've kind of moved past that and now, and now you're a parent and you look back at, at Christmas times, you, you, you tend to find more happiness in watching your children open up those presents, right? And you, and you, you receive that happiness by watching your children be happy. Um, maybe for some of us, it's, it's finding something that's a, that's a benefit during the holiday season where maybe you got a Christmas bonus or maybe you, you have a, a great job or maybe, maybe you have these other things lined up, a good relationship, and, and you just kind of want to feel warm and fuzzy for the holidays and you want that happiness to kind of feel real nice tomorrow, right? That's kind of what we go for and what we achieve or what we're trying to achieve during the Christmas season. <clears throat> but the reality is, is my goal today it's to not deliver a message to you guys to get you guys to feel happy. Um, if that's a byproduct, great. But the, the reality is when you look through Scripture and you look at the word happiness in, 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 its, in its original Greek language and its context and, and how it's set up in Scripture, you tend to find the word happiness about 30 times in Scripture, which, you know, that would say, you know, it's, it's covered and it's, 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 it's dealt with and it's, it's, a, it's a topic that is there for discussion but what you would tend to find more is the word joy. You see, in Scripture, the word joy is used over 300 times, 10 times more than the word happy in its context. And when you look at the two, I think that the world that we live in and the language and the dictionary that we use, we, we tend to put those two words interchangeably. You know, happiness and joy, we, we, tend to, we tend to blend them together that they're the same thing. But in Scripture, you see, they're, they're not the same at all. They can't be interchanged. There's no, there's no correlation there. You can, see, you can see situations like King Solomon and Ecclesiastes, and he, he tried to pursue happiness in all these different areas of life. He, he found women. He found money. He found possessions. He found all these things, and he was, looking, he was finding some temporary happiness in those things, but he never experienced pure joy until he realized it came from a relationship with God. And my goal today is to help explain and get us to understand that joy is, is really what we should be looking for for the holidays. Because joy is not a temporary feeling. You know, happiness is something that's good and it's fine and it's warm and cozy for, for a small period of time. But essentially, over time, that feeling will fade. But you see, joy, what joy is at, at its core, joy is something that you take with you and you, it lives with you no matter the circumstance. No matter if it's an incredible high, a great present, or an incredible low, like a no present. No matter if it's an incredible high, like a bonus at a job, or an incredible low, like being laid off at a job. No matter if it's an incredible high, like a, like a very positive, loving relationship, or it's an incredible low, that there is no more of a relationship. 
You see, joy is something that we carry with us despite the circumstance. And it can help drive us into this journey that we've been walking through in life in a way that we don't have to look back at those happy moments because we have experienced joy our entire lives. For a lot of us, we probably can't think of those happy moments, right? If you look back at your life and you can think, man, what what were some of the happiest times in my life? Maybe it was in high school and in your glory days and when you were playing sports and and you just you kind of had a crowd around you. Or maybe it was, you know, in college in those early years and just new relationships. Maybe it was just right when you joined in, into the workforce and, and you didn't have all these bills and expenses and family issues. Or maybe, maybe it was when you got to your family and you finally had your first child or you, you got married. And you can think back to those happy times, but then you can also probably think back to those, those low times, right? Maybe there, are some, maybe there are some experiences that you guys in this room have had with abuse. Maybe there are some experiences with neglect or addiction or, or severing relationships or being laid off, or not having the finances to, to cover your bills. And I guarantee you, for, for many of us, we probably didn't feel the same way in those circumstances as we did in the high moments of our lives, the happy circumstances. You probably didn't feel the same the day you got married as you did the day you got laid off. But that's the thing about joy is that despite the circumstance, when you have joy, it will change the way you view and the way you feel about whatever's going on in your life. And that's, that's an emotion and that's a feeling that Jesus can provide when he was born, but when he died as well. And that's an emotion and that's a feeling at our core that God wants us to experience as we walk on this earth into eternity. You see, there won't really be happiness in heaven. There will be joy. And God wants to give us a little taste of what that should look like here on earth because there can be joy. And maybe you're at a place today, you're saying, I don't know how I could even find that. I don't know how I could even experience that. Man, you don't understand my life. And maybe I don't, but I know that the majority of the people in this, this church, our congregation, have been very broken have had a lot of hardships and a lot of, a lot of difficult things they've dealt with, and they've chosen joy in those circumstances, and they're blessed because of it. And that's what we're trying to get at today. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at some of these people that have, have had walked through joy and, and how we can travel, how we can find that road ourselves in a way that we can experience it ourselves. Because happiness, like I said, it, it is temporary. It's not going to last long. But the reality is, is that joy is something that will really help drive our lives in a way that we can really benefit and not just the short-term gain, but the long-term as well. And so we're gonna, we've got three points today I wanna talk about. And number one is I can travel the road of joy if I choose to, number one, listen carefully to God's message. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna kind of look at the shepherds, the wise men, and how that relates to us and how they chose to apply these things to their lives. And maybe we can find a way that we can as well. And so number one, I listen carefully to God's message. Okay, the shepherds did that. In Luke 10, or Luke 2, 10 through 12, it says, The angel said, Don't be afraid. Look, I bring good news to you, wonderful, joyous news for all people. Your Savior is born today in David's city. He is Christ the Lord. This is a sign for you. You will find a newborn baby wrapped snugly and lying in a manger. You see, shepherds, if you don't know a lot about shepherds in the first century, shepherds really weren't like in the social network. They really weren't in the inner circle of of what, what was going on in times. More times than not, shepherds 
would lie on the outskirts of towns and, and sometimes not even in towns at all. They'd be out in the fields and out in the hills and they'd be tending the sheep because obviously you wouldn't want sheep just chilling in the middle of the town because there's nothing for them to eat. They'd be all over the place. They'd be crapping everywhere. Um, it, it would be hard to keep them all riled together whenever people... So sheep obviously need to be out at a pasture or out in a field and they'd usually have a shepherd to watch over them. So if the sheep are out there and they have to have somebody watch over them, that tends to be a place that a shepherd really wouldn't know really what's going on, right? And more times than not, for news to be traveled to shepherds, it would make sense that shepherds really wouldn't be the first person on people's list to want to go tell, right? So if there's some kind of thing going down in the town, nobody's going to be like, you know what, man, I, I, I need to go tell the shepherds what's going on. They need to know, right? They need to be kept in the loop. So shepherds tended to be people that were very isolated and didn't really have a lot of understanding or knowledge of what was going on in, in towns and cities and around other people. And so think about that just for a minute. If you were a shepherd and you're put in this position and an angel came directly down to you and delivered this news to you. Have you ever been delivered news before? Right? A lot of us, maybe, we, we find our news through social media, right? If I want to know what's going on with people, I'm going to get on Facebook. Oh, they had a baby. Great. Oh, they're pregnant. Great. Oh, they, they got a new promotion. Great. Oh, and, and that's how we, how many of you guys feel like you do that? More times than not. Is that, that's where you find your news, right? You, you just kind of scroll through Facebook like it's a newspaper, and that's how you know all your friends and things like that. But when you can personally be told news, how much more important do you feel when somebody comes and delivers news directly to you? Right? How, how much more joy can be had whenever there's something that's so good going on that you don't find out through social media, you don't find out through an app, you don't find out through your phone, but you find out because somebody went out of their way to come find you and say, hey, listen, Jake, I want to tell you this thing that happened. And I want to tell you personally. I don't want you to find out through somebody else. I want you to know, and I want to be the one to tell you that. You know, when, when my... Every time that my wife was pregnant, I think of those moments, right? You know how much that would have sucked to find out that my wife was pregnant through Facebook? <laughs> right? Oh, there's Katie's update. Oh, she's got a, she's pregnant. What? <laughs> like, like, that would have been terrible to find out, right? But my wife made a point to make sure that I was, I was told by her personally, because she wanted me to know how important it was to me and how excited she was to share that with me and me alone. You know, you, you, and you guys can maybe think about that for you guys that have had kids or maybe whenever you, you, when you have a grandkid and, 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 your, and your children come to you and, and they want to surprise you with that. And, and it's not something that you tend to find out through a, through a second or third hand source. That can bring incredible joy to a life to know that that news is being delivered to you for you because of how much they love you. And that's what, the, that's what the angels gave to the shepherds. The angels didn't show up in the middle of the town being like, hey, this is probably the biggest platform to get the most people right now So let's and spread the word. No, they popped right down. And he popped down right in front of the shepherd and he said, listen, I have good news for you. I have good news to bring to you. And so listening carefully to God's message for the shepherds 
can bring an incredible joy that they knew that this baby was being born and it was a sign for them and it was going to be, it was going to be the Messiah. That can bring an incredible joy. Now, what about the wise men, right? <clears throat> so the wise men, they, they weren't necessarily part of, of, of this religion. They, they, these wise men, doesn't really say that they were born of the city or of this town. They were kind of far off. And, and you see in Numbers 24, this is, this is the wise men actually talking about, um, talking about something that happened beforehand, talking about a prophecy that was meant to be. And this is what the wise men, they actually quote this in Numbers 24, 17. It says, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab, and destroy the children of Shith. Right? Even the wise men understood there was news, and that they were going to listen carefully to this message, to the point where they, they knew that this prophecy was coming to fruition. And, and, and they got themselves in a position that they, they listened and they understood. And we're going to kind of jump into the wise men a little bit more here in a second. But just the reality that even the wise men themselves knew that there was a prophecy that talked about this and they were listening carefully to God's message, that they were studying the scriptures to realize, hey, this is something that is going to happen and it's going to bring incredible joy to this earth. And you see, sometimes... We can, we can be right in the middle of it, right? We can be right in the middle of church. We can be right, right in the middle of our religion, our relationship with God, and completely be missing the message, completely missing the point. These wise men studied these scriptures and they studied these things, and, and it could have been very easy for them to completely miss because they weren't really listening to what scripture was indicating to them. That could have happened. How many times has that happened for us? That we can be sitting here on a Sunday morning, or we can, sit, we can be sitting at church, we can, we can know what God's Word says and completely miss the point and the purpose of what's being said and how it's meant to impact our lives. We miss out on an incredible joy when we do that. And what does that mean for us? Well, Proverbs 2.2 says, Make your ear attentive to the wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. You see, to not miss the message of Christmas, to not miss the point of the season, to not miss that can be because we're not really listening carefully to what it has brought to our lives. You see, the shepherds and the wise men, they listened, they understood, and it brought an incredible joy. And for you guys today, a lot of us can look at Christmas as just a time for Santa and trees and and presents. And when we think and we hear that, and we, and we listen to, to the, the story of Jesus. We listen to the nativity scene. We listen to baby Jesus being born. We know that stuff. But when we don't listen to it the way that we're ought to, we, we shortchange ourselves and we rob ourselves of an incredible joy that is meant to be around this holiday season. And so it's important for us, number one, if we're going to travel this road of joy, to listen carefully to God's message. But number two, we have to act upon those instructions. You see, it's not enough to listen. I think that the majority of Americans know that Christmas is somewhat centered around Jesus. And we all know that. We've, we've listened for a long time. We've either went to Sunday school or we've heard it secondhand or we see it when we read things or we hear the Christmas songs and we hear, you know, there's something about a baby Jesus and something about being born in a manger and something about Christmas time. And we've heard that. But too many times we haven't acted upon it. Well, these shepherds got this message, right? 
The shepherds got the news. The shepherds were, were told about this message that brought joy. And what did they do? In Luke 2.15, it says, When the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go right now. Let's go right now to Bethlehem and see what's happened. Let's confirm what the Lord has revealed to us. They went quickly. They went quickly and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. You see, the shepherds didn't play around. They didn't, they didn't be like, oh, man, that's kind of cool, man. That, 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 that's sweet. Baby's being born, you know? They were like, hey, let's go now. The, the angel's gone. Let's, let's go make sure. Let's go see this promise has been. Let's go. Uh, this, this is such an incredible message, such an incredible. It's, once again, it's kind of like, like I said, if there's, if there's like a baby being born in your family, right? If your wife's about to have a baby or, 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 or your daughter's about to have a baby or somebody in your family's about to have a baby and, and you get the call, right? And you're like, listen, I'm delivering a message. This is going to bring incredible joy to your life. This baby's happening now. You're not going to sit around and be like, okay, well, I got a couple things to finish up first around the house. And then my favorite show's about to come on. So um, my DVR's full, so I got to watch it while it's live, you know. And I got to get through A, B, and C. And then I'll eventually make my way up to the hospital, you know. We don't think like that. We're like, it's, a, it's about to be here, and I want to be there. Because as soon as it's born, as soon as it's there, I want to see it because I want, to, I want to stare upon the face that's about to bring so much joy to my life. And that's what the shepherds did. They acted upon it, and they did it right then and there, and it says they went quickly. And God is trying to give us that same kind of blessing. He's trying to give us that same kind of joy. He wants, to, he wants us to experience so much during the holiday season. Say, Listen, there is so much about this message that you can, you can benefit from, you can find joy in, and you have to act upon it. Now, for a lot of us, I don't think we're stuck in this point, and if you're visiting with us and you don't really know a lot about Christianity, and, you, and maybe you are at that point where you're like, I haven't really fully understood the message of Christmas, and this is your opportunity to maybe finally listen to something that maybe can impact your life and change it for the best. But for many of us, we already know that story, and it's already been a part of our lives for a while, and now we're further down the road in our maturity that we know that there are things in Scripture that we should and ought to be doing, but we're doing it at a slower pace than God wants us to, and we're missing out, and we're being robbed of joy because we're choosing to do it at our own pace and in our own time. You see, the message of the Christmas story is meant to inspire, and it's meant to intrigue, and it's meant to initiate a joy. But the maturity that goes along with knowing that story is filled throughout Scripture. It's filled throughout the Gospels in a way that it's not just about Christmas time. It's not just about hearing the story, but it's now about studying out God's Word and looking at how Jesus walked through his life and imitating that faith and walking that faith ourselves. But we tend, and, and, and what's so frustrating is God says that that story, that news, the scriptures, the Bible itself is such a great place to find joy. Just like that phone call that you're about to get a new kid into your family. And many of us do not act like the shepherds here. Many of us do not go right away. Many of us do not go quickly into that lifestyle, but we go very slowly. And we rob ourselves of that joy when we can't act upon it like the shepherds did. Well, what about the wise men? In Matthew 2, 1 through 2, you know, they talk about that prophecy um, <clears throat> earlier, and then they, and they chose to go on this journey. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the territory of Judea during the rule of King Herod, <clears throat> Magi came from the east to Jerusalem. They asked, where is this newborn king of the Jews? 
We've seen his star in the east, and we've come to honor him. You see, they didn't play around either. They saw the signs. They read the prophecies. They knew what was about to happen, and they acted on it. They went right into it. And for a lot of us, like I said, I think sometimes God reveals things for us in our lives that he knows that he's revealing something in a way that he knows he wants us to understand that there's a way to do it, and we choose to ignore it and don't go in that direction. You see, for these wise men, it was, it was talked about in numbers that there's going to be this star. And they see this sign and they choose to go right for it because they know that that's what it was saying. And God so many times comes into our lives and says, listen, here is a sign for you to jump in and find this joy. Here's a sign for you to start walking this walk. Here is an opportunity. Here is a door that's being opened for you that's going to provide so much joy for your life. And more times than not, we don't walk through that door unless it's something we want to do at that time, unless it fits into our life or unless it fits into our schedule. And then we, and then we, we get confused as to why God's not blessing us, why God hasn't given us that peace of mind that we can have joy in every circumstance. And, you know, I, 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 I think I've said this from the pulpit before, that illustration where, you know, a guy is looking for help because he's drowning at sea and a speedboat comes by and, you know, he, he throws out a lifesaver. He goes, no, 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 I'm waiting on Jesus to save me, right? And the guy drowns and he goes to heaven and he talks to Jesus and he goes, Jesus, why didn't you save me? I was drowning at sea. And he goes, well, I threw out a lifeboat for you and you just let him walk on by. I think so many times God is wanting to help us when we're drowning. He sent his son to die on a cross for us because we were drowning. And he's throwing lifeboats left and right. He's opening doors left and right. He's giving us the signs that we're begging and praying for. But since it's not the way that we want to be saved, it's not the way that we want to find joy, we ignore them. And we neglect them. And then we start to question if God really is trying to provide joy for us. You see, the wise men didn't set this up the way they wanted to. They had to read scripture to figure out when this was going to happen, and then they went about it based on what scripture said. And my challenge to you today would be to do the same in your life. Don't do Christianity the way that you want to do it. Don't find the signs the way that you want to find the signs. But find scripture the way that the wise men did and apply it the same way that they did and see the benefits the same way that they did. Because what does it say about us? In John 15, 9 through 11, it says, I have obeyed my father's commands, right? I didn't change my father's commands. I didn't do it how I wanted to do it. I have obeyed my father's commands and I remain in his love. In the same way, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. I have told you these things so that you can have the same joy I have and so that your joy will be the fullest joy possible. You see, you might find some joy in life. You might find some happiness. You might find some things on your own. But if you hear anything from me today, it is that you will not find the fullest possible joy without a relationship with God, period. 
you will not find that peace of mind, that, that joy in all circumstances. You won't find it to the fullest extent on your own. You won't, you won't be able to find that baby Jesus like those wise men. You, weren't, you wouldn't be able to find it unless you follow the star. And for us, the star is the scriptures. And unless you're following scripture, it's going to be hard, it's going to be very, very hard to find joy. In James 1.22, it says, but prove yourselves doers of the word, right? Here we are, application again, actively and continually obeying God's precepts and not merely listeners who hear the word but fail to internalize its meaning, deluding yourselves by unsound reasoning contrary to the truth. Isn't it so frustrating whenever, whenever Scripture says something and it doesn't mesh with how you feel at the time, right? Isn't it so frustrating that, that God gives us instructions and commands that we just can't stand, um, that just don't, that don't line up with our lifestyle or, or our, our sinful selves at, at its core, right? And, you know, I, I know there's been many times in my life whenever I walk through something, and how many of you guys are the people that when you wake up, you try to think of an excuse to not get out of bed so you don't have to go to work? Anybody like that? Or like you wake up and you're like, man, can I, I can't say I'm sick. I did that last week. Um, how many, how many? Great uncles, do I still have alive that I've said have died and I need to go to their funerals, right? And we start thinking of these things, well, do I really need this money this week, you know? Because if I don't go to work, I'm not gonna get paid, but can I squeeze by next week with, with rent coming up? And like, anybody else do that? Like you lay in bed and you try to think of like what kind of excuses you can put together, right? I do that all the time. And I think, I think whenever scripture comes into my life, I can do the same things. Ah, man, do I, do I really need to go hang out with these people today? I mean, like, I see them on Sundays, you know, I don't, really, I don't really need to get two or three times a week with these people. Or, you know, there's, there's somebody that's sitting at a table by themselves. And, yeah, that was a good example. I, last night, I went to Cracker Barrel, right? Um, I went to Cracker Barrel with my wife and my kids, our fancy Christmas dinner, you know. Um, but, and I got to church today. It's kind of a funny side note. Niger gave me a gift card to Cracker Barrel today. And I was like, information that would have been useful yesterday, you know, if I would have known that was coming, I would have showed up to her house and got that gift card. Um, but I said thank you with a sinful, a sinful heart, right? Um, but we were sitting at Cracker Barrel, right? And I mean, it's, Chris, it's like Christmas Eve Eve, right? So everybody's at Cracker Barrel, and it happens to be a Saturday night. So it's like packed. And they had these tables, I kid you not. Like, so our table, like, this was the edge of one of our tables, right? And so it was like me, my wife, and then we had Bo, and then we had uh, Peyton and Emil on that side. And I kid you not, there was about that big of a gap, and then there was another table right here. Right, so I'm sitting right here, right? Uh, come on up, come on up, Julia. Come here, stand for a second, because I want you to see this image. Stand right there. No, come closer. <laughs> right there. This was my dinner last night with some random stranger, right? I could, like, I could, I could, I could taste the the food. <laughs> you can have a seat. You can have a seat. All right, that's how close it was. That's how close it was. And so I was like. Crazy holiday season we're having, hey, <laughs> like, like trying to like just make it not awkward. And I'm, it, it was this, you know, she was probably in her 70s, a 70-year-old elderly lady, and she was sitting by herself, and she was right next to me. And I couldn't tell at first if she wanted nothing to do with me or if she wanted to just have a conversation with me. And so I, when we first sat down, I'm just kind of like <clears throat> trying to like angle myself more to like sit with my wife like this and just have our Christmas dinner, right? And so Katie makes a comment. She goes, you should talk to her. 
And I was like, babe, I don't think she wants to be talked to right now. Like, she just got her meal. Like, I don't, I don't know if she's going to be all, you know, upset if I'm trying to talk with her, whatever. And so I start some weird conversation. I don't even know how. I always start my conversations really awkward, and I don't even know what I said. She, she had like a, she had ordered a pie, like, to go, so there's like a pie box. I said something stupid like, are you going to share that with the whole table? Because we're all together. And like, we're pretty much all on one table. Are going to share that with the whole table? And she started chuckling. But we ended up talking as we ate dinner, right? And I find out that she, her husband used to be a janitor at the Collinsville High School, uh, and he died four years ago. And she stopped cooking for Christmas whenever her husband passed away. And so now she goes to Cracker Barrel. And I'm sitting here listening to the story, and I'm like, how, first off, how incredibly sad that is to just have to share that meal by yourself for the holidays. Um, but then as we talked more, I was incredibly grateful that my wife had pushed me to have this conversation with this lady. You know? But in the middle of it, I didn't really want to. I rather, I'd rather just enjoy my meal with my family because it was my time with my family for Christmas. But when we don't think outside of ourselves, what I was completely neglecting was that this lady has been, that's been taken from her. And as I sit here and enjoy my young, youthful family, this lady could very easily have been sitting there in grief or, or frustration to watch something that she used to have and no longer has. And I don't, I don't think like that a lot. I don't think about the impact of what I may be able to give to someone else. And as we, as we finished up, you know, dinner, and she kind of in some ways joined our table. Um, she just thanked me. And once again, it was something that I never thought I would want to do. I didn't really want to do in that moment. But I know at my core, my wife pushed me to have that conversation because she knows that in Scripture, that's what Jesus would have wanted me to do. Jesus would have not wanted me to just make my holiday about my family but to make my holiday about a gift that he has given to everyone, and I had an opportunity to share that with somebody right next to me. And it was an incredibly humbling moment for me to be able to sit and talk with this lady, and she thanked me for that stuff. And she did have family that she was going to be a part of today, and I, you know, I invited her to church today, and I told her she, you know, I gave her some information for our church, and she said she might stop in today, and I didn't know if she was going to be here or not, but she now knows where we are. You know, she said, I used to go to church with my husband, but I haven't really been since, and um, I live in Collinsville, and she said, I might, I might show up sometime. And I don't know what's going to come of that, you know? But I know little examples like that in my life, I miss way too many times. And I'm sure that for many of us, we can look at our lives, and we can look at our holiday season, and we can look at the opportunities and say, you know what, there's been so many times in my own life, that I haven't acted on something that I know God wants me to do. I haven't done it his way, I've done it my way. Because I tell you, I'll tell you what, I left that Cracker Barrel feeling more joy than I thought I was going to, doing something that I know God would want me to do, versus me getting in my car wishing I would have just said one thing to that lady. And how many times do we do that? How many times do we wish we would have done something differently because we know the outcome would bring more joy? How many times do we skip a meeting with our friends because we're just tired or we want to sleep in? But then once we get there, we know how much, we're, we're so glad that we actually went, right? 
Or how many times we, we, we pretend like we don't want to have a conversation with somebody, but then we have that conversation. We're so glad we had that conversation because we feel so much better about ourselves. You see, God gives us these instructions, and it may not be the way that we want to do them, but the outcome can bring so much joy to our lives. It can bless us in ways that we would never think. And so thirdly, it kind of even goes into what I was just talking about, but thirdly, we can give others the joy that I've been given. You see, we have to obey it ourselves, and we have to apply it ourselves. But more times than not, the joy that we get to experience is in part a way that we can give it to someone else. And that's exactly what the shepherds did. You see, in Luke 2, 17 through 20, it says, this is what the shepherds did. It says, when they saw this, they didn't, they didn't go back. They didn't go straight back to the field. When they saw this, they reported what had been told about this child. Everyone who heard it was amazed at what the shepherds had told them. The shepherds returned home, glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen. Everything happened just as they had been told. You know, break this apart for these shepherds, right, through all three of these points. Shepherds, first and foremost, are told by angels what is about to happen. And it's this baby's being born for them. That's some joy, man. That's some cool things that happen. Then the shepherds choose to act upon that information and go and see this child themselves. That brings a whole new level of joy because they're physically seeing what was told about what, what this baby was going to do. Then they take their joy to a whole nother level because they're so, they're so filled with everything that they've been given that they immediately go and tell other people and share this news of what has happened and those people were amazed. And then these shepherds start going back home. I try to put myself in that, like in that walk that the shepherds have, like when they're walking back to those fields. You know, just think of, just think of what they were thinking or feeling. Man, what a crazy day this was. You know, like, what, what a crazy day. How awesome of a day was this, man? We got we to be a part of something so crazy. We got to experience something so crazy. And then we got to give it to some, we got to give it to somebody else. What a blessing. What a joy to feel. And maybe that's where our, where our joy sometimes is, is stunted. Is sometimes we can be at a place in our lives where we know the, the message of Christmas. We know the, the birth and, and, and we can even apply it to our own personal lives. But there's, there's a third stage that sometimes we completely forget about. And it's sharing that with someone else. It's being able to give that to someone else so it can help them and bless them as well. You know, the wise men said in Matthew 2, 5-6, through 6, it says, They told them in Bethlehem of Judea, for it was written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people in Israel. You see, the wise men reported everything as well, and they started sharing and telling these things to people as well. You see, this message was given to us, but it was never meant to end with us like telephone, you know? It's like telephone, but not distorting it. 
it's meant to continue and go from person to person to person. You ever play that game telephone and you try to give some information and then it circles back and it's like, well, that was not really what happened, you know? Well, the message is like telephone, but we have the scriptures to give us proof of what actually happened all the way through. And we keep passing it on from person to person. And the wise men were reporting this as well. But what does that mean for us? In Acts 13, it says, And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, as many of us were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. You see, the disciples were filled with joy whenever they talked about Jesus because the Gentiles heard it, because the Gentiles were told. And here at the Crossings Church, I don't, I don't want this to ever be something that's been diluted or watered down or neglected or forgotten, but if you're visiting with us or you're a member here, you need to understand that we're a church that likes to spread God's word. We're a church that likes to go to the broken, the hurting, and the lost world and let them know about the same kind of joy that we were given, the same kind of gift that we were given. If you've been a part of any of our ministries, if you've ever seen any of our ministries, our student ministries, we make a point. Our junior high, our high school, our campus ministries, we challenge the mess out of our disciples to say, listen, your job is to not be a student first. And maybe you parents have an issue with that, but you need to read your Bibles if you have an issue with that. Because through Scripture and through what God has done for us, we say, listen, student, it is not your job to be a student first. Your job first is to share Jesus and share the good news that he has given to you and the hope that he has given to you first and foremost. And the other disciplines, they will make you a good student. But don't get it backwards that you're there because you need to get a good education. You're not there because you need to be good on, you need to be good on a sports team. You're not there because you need to do A, B, and C. Our leaders at our church say you're there because God has blessed your life and given you something that those kids don't have yet. And you have a choice to make. Do you go and hide and hear the good news and act upon it yourself and tell no one? Or do you go and tell everyone in hopes that they would find the same things that you had found? That's why our church has grown so much. Because our ministries, whether it's student ministries or adult ministries, because we go into our schools and we go into our workplaces and we go into these places. You guys, you may, maybe you don't understand this, but the Crossings Church, if you're visiting with us, this church was established 30 years, or not 30 years ago. Um, <laughs> I'm getting old. Um, this church was established six years ago, a little over six years ago, with 30 people. This building did not look like this six years ago. This crowd did not look like this six years ago. And this is a light Sunday. I think we're actually down today because there's people out of town for the holidays. 30 people. Our campus ministry, I think maybe had seven. Our high school ministry had what? Like one? Two? Maybe? We, we, we started with such a small crowd. But let me tell you what, that crowd went to the world. And that crowd shared the joy that had been given to them, whether it was here in Illinois or over in Missouri or wherever it was whenever they heard this message, and they shared that. 
And they said, you know what? It's not about being an employee first. It's not about being a student first. It's not about being an athlete first. It's about being a disciple first. It's about being somebody that's sharing what I've been given. And when you do it that way, you get to watch people like Marcus come up on stage. Because if Marcus's brother was a student first, or an athlete first, or honestly, even just a brother first, Marcus might have missed out because that wasn't the priority in Deontay's life. And honestly, for a long time, it probably wasn't, Deontay, was it? That wasn't your priority in life. That's why it took both you boneheads so long to get this message, right? But who came into your life, Deontay? Amaya. Amaya, where's she at? She's in Westville. But Amaya has connections, and she, she had somebody come into her life, right? And it was, it, it was a telephone game. Somebody came to somebody's life, and all those people, that little trail, none of those people were a part of this church when we started six years ago. And for a lot of those people, their priority was one of those things. I'm a student. I'm a brother. I'm a worker. But one by one, they died to themselves and said, I'm no longer a student first. I'm no longer a brother first. I'm no longer a blank first. I'm a disciple first. And I'm going to tell people about the news that I've been told. And their lives are going to be blessed. And because of that, my life will be blessed. Church, if, if there's any one thing that can bring more joy to your life than anything, it's watching somebody in the world who is hurting and who is lost and who is hopeless, being a part of that walk with them to watch them go underneath water and change their life. There is nothing more joyful that you will ever find on this earth than, be, than becoming a friend to somebody and watching them change their lives. And if you've not been experiencing that or you've not been a part of that, you are missing out. You are missing out on the greatest joy of being on this earth, the greatest purpose of being on this earth. It's such a blessing and it's such a good feeling to be able to be a part of that. And maybe if you haven't been experiencing that, maybe you need to reevaluate in your life, what am I putting first? What matters most to me? Is it being a dad? Is it being a worker? Is it being a student? Is it being an athlete? Is it being a husband? Is it being a wife? Or is it, or is it being a disciple? Because being a disciple will, will complement all of those things, but none of those things will do your responsibility as a disciple. So I encourage us to look at that in our lives. And then lastly, I want to end on this, just this idea of how we can be joyful. Because there are some proofs. There are some, there are some reasons we can be joyful in our lives. And the same things that we, 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 we know these things, but we want to make sure we hit these things on, on Christmas just so we know this. Because maybe you haven't been feeling this lately. But number one, I can be joyful because Jesus proved that, number one, I am loved. You see, Jesus was born, and that was a great story. That was a great message, and that was a great time. But Jesus did something else on the other end of his life. And he proved to us in that end of his life that, number one, that we are loved. It says in John 3.16, we've all heard this verse before, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I'm sorry, church, but if somebody came to me and said, hey, listen, it's either your kid or your church, I'm saying, sorry, church. <laughs> my, I'm, I'm not gonna sacrifice my kid. I love my daughters too much. I'm not gonna sacrifice my, my kids' lives 
in place of one of you. You know? Oh, that's so, that's so mean of you, Jake. You know, like, that's so, that's so bad of you. Well, let's put you in the, you know, like, let's ask you if you'd rather take somebody else's life or one of your kids. Right? Oh, no, no, not one of my, I love my kids. I, I didn't think you loved your kids that much, right? But I love my kids, you know? So it ain't going to happen to me. And I don't think any of us would, would want somebody to take the place of one of our kids, right? Because we love them so much. So how, how much more is God's love for us that he was willing to trade his own kid's life for us? How much does God truly love us that he let Jesus die? See, you can be joyful, and maybe you've never felt that, but you can be joyful to know that that's the kind of God we serve, that he was willing to sacrifice his son on a cross to prove how much he loved you individually. That kind of love can bring a joy to your life because maybe you've never experienced that kind of love here on this earth. But to know that that kind of sacrifice has been given through the God that we serve can bring a love that can fuel a joy. Number two, I'm valuable and redeemable. I'm valuable and redeemable. You see, these are just reminders in our lives to help bring that joy that maybe we haven't been told in a long time. But Romans 5, 8 through 10, it says, But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from, wrath, from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. You see, the world can sometimes make us feel like that we have no value. Or we can, we can get ourselves dug in a hole so deep that we feel like there can be no redemption. We've been addicted to something for so long, there's no redeemable qualities about us. We've been tarnished for so long, we've been hurt and thrown and chewed up and spit out by the world so long that there's no longer value to who we are as a person. And what God helps us understand is that he sent his son to die on a cross so that whenever we follow in his footsteps and we live that life and we shed our lives just like Jesus did and we go underneath that water, we come up pure, we come up clean, and we come up redeemed. And we come up in a way that God looks at us and says, I have always valued you, and there's immediate redemption for what Jesus has done on the cross for us. And so what I want to do is, before we wrap up today, is I want, to, I want us to take communion today. Because if there's anything to remember from the Christmas story, if there's anything to remember from the nativity scene, if there's anything to remember from Jesus being born, it's honestly that that birth down the road sparked a death that was able to give us hope. It was able to give us hope to look at our lives and say, you know, maybe this Christmas season can be rough, maybe this Christmas season can be hard, or maybe this Christmas season is an incredibly joyful time to, to be grateful and remember what we have been given and what we are blessed with. Not everybody's in a rough spot, but sometimes we can get in an ungrateful spot. We can forget how much we've been given. We can forget how much we've been loved. And so what I want to do is just have, have a moment for us to take communion, share in the Lord's Supper together, and think about just how valued you are by God and how redeemed you have been or how redeemed you can be because of what Jesus has done on the cross for us. Let's pray.
God, thank you so much for sending your son to die on the cross. God, Christmas is always a time that it's, it's easy to get caught up in the presence and the, and the, and the media of, of the Americanized Christmas. But God, I, I just want to thank you so much for sending your son to die on the cross because we are valued, because we can be redeemed, um, and because you've loved us so much, Lord. So thank you again for your son. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Lastly, I want to end on this. You know, the last point is that you can be joyful because you are useful. I am useful. It says in John 15, 16, it says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. And that's just what I want to end on today is for you to understand that you can be used and God, is, God loves you and you can find joy in being used. Here at the Crossing Church, I think that the majority of us find the joy in our lives because we know that we're being used by God in our lives. I think when we choose to live lives for ourselves and we choose to work for the things that we want in life, we tend to not find that joy and we come up empty-handed just like Solomon was so many times in Ecclesiastes. We can find the benefits of this world, but when we have no purpose behind why we're doing those things, we don't find the joy that God has called us to. And so no matter if you're visiting with us today or if you're a member of our church, God wants to use you um, in ways that you don't even understand. Never, never in my life did I think that I was going to be a preacher. Never. <laughs> and if you know my background, if you knew my story, my dad was an alcoholic. He was a drug addict. He was not around as a kid. I didn't really know my dad at all. My mom was a bartender. Um, none of my siblings went to church. You know, I didn't, I didn't go to school. Um, uh, you know, for any motive to be anything uh, as far as public speaking goes, I was going to be a coach just because that was my role models as, as dads. I, didn't, I wasn't great in English classes. That was actually my worst class of all. You know, I, I, I hate reading. <laughs> I, I hate writing. I hate, I just, I wasn't, I wasn't well versed in any of that stuff. And somebody during my college years came about into my life and, and showed me purpose and showed me hope, showed me joy, and it changed my life. But still, at that point in my life, when I was baptized, I, know, I was never like, you know, I'm going to be a preacher now. You know, like, it never came to my life to think that that's the way that God was going to use me. But yet, here I am. And I get to partner with Wes, and we get, to, we get to help lead this church in a way that never, neither one of us would have thought when we were younger that we, we didn't even know each other. But here we are, and, and we're a team, and we have a, we have a ministry here of, of leaders that, that really does love God, but really loves to be used for his purpose. And at the Crossing Church, I want to encourage you to know that it doesn't matter if you are somebody who is in the core leadership that you are helping set the direction for our church, or if you're somebody who's visiting with us for the first time, we believe here at the Crossing Church that we are all called to be used by God. We are all called to be used in some capacity and if you're visiting with us, I want you to know that God wants to use you because God chose you. You might choose God today, but he's chosen you since before you were born for this mission that he's put you on. And this is a church that you can find some purpose. This is a church that you can find some use in your life. And for you members that are a part of our church, I want you to understand, just like everybody else knows, that this church isn't ran by a couple people. This church isn't, this, it's not, we're not just having a couple people being used and everybody else just sits back and listens to a good message, right? 
Because half the time my messages aren't as great as I think they are. You know? um, so it's not about me. But this church is fueled by so many people that, shows, that choose, choose and chose to be used by God. And if you're a member here at the church, this message is not meant to be overlooked by you either because I think that we are in a position in our church where we're growing drastically and we need more people to answer that call to be used by God the way that he's called you to be used. We don't need to have members sitting around just coming to church on Sundays and and just sitting back and listening to a good message. We need all of our members to jump in and be used and find that purpose and seek and save the lost just like he's called all of us to. Nobody's use in this church is higher than anyone else's. But because of a collective idea and a collective understanding that we're all being used, this church is going to explode. And this church is going to do incredible things. And this church is going to experience incredible joy. And what I want to challenge you guys to do as I wrap up today is pull out this communication card. This is is your opportunity to jump in to finding use for your life during the holiday season. And if, like I said, if you're visiting with us, maybe you don't know a lot about Jesus. Maybe you don't know a lot about church. Maybe you don't know a lot about community. And, and, and something today sparked your interest. You're like, you know what? I would like to find some of that joy in my life. I'd like to figure out maybe to how to find a purpose for my life, how to be used. You know, maybe check to do like a personal Bible study or communicate in that comment section that you want to learn how to be used by God in a way that you've never thought about. And we'll get somebody to sit down with you and, and look through God's word and just and get to know you in a little, in a, in a little way. Um, but like I said, the majority of the people that go to our church, guys, are not Bible scholars. We didn't grow up going to universities and going to all these crazy places. We have some of those people, and it's very useful to have them here. But we also have people that ha- have zero experience like that as well. And we get to combine our talents and our backgrounds and, and the things that we have and make this church the best that it can be. And so it doesn't matter if you have all this knowledge in Scripture and you've just never applied it or you don't have any knowledge at all because you've never grown up in that world. This is the right place for everyone. And I encourage you guys to look through that card and indicate on that card how we can help you and how we can get you to feel that same use and how you can find a joy this holiday season that will not just be a temporary thing that dies after the new year, but that it will carry with you for the rest of your lives. Indicate on that card if you don't have a place to go tomorrow for Christmas. Indicate on that card if you don't have family, if you don't know what you're doing. And we will try to find a place for you to find some community. This is a family. It's not a church building. This is a home, not a facility. And we're a family. And I hope because of that, we can continue to give joy to people that have never experienced those things. Let's pray. God, I just want to thank you so much for the opportunity to have joy I mean, God, to be honest, looking at the way I was raised, looking at my upbringing, looking at the life that I was given, there's no reason why I should have joy. There's no reason why I should have the things that I have, and there's no reason that I should get to experience anything that I've experienced, God. But God, in, in so many ways, you blessed me with a family, you blessed me with friends, you blessed me with a community, you blessed me with a hope, and things that I never had as a kid, God. And because of all those things, I have so much joy. That no matter what happens in my life, the hardships, the, the, the things that are difficult, I still have joy, but God, I get even more joy because I get to share that with people that I don't even know every single day. And God, I pray that we can have that same kind of mentality with everyone in our church, that if you're visiting with us today, if you're here today, that you will, you will seek out to find that same kind of joy that you sent your son to give us, Lord. And I pray this in your son's name, amen.